All right, let's pray. Lord, we are excited about you, we're excited about your kingdom, and we're excited about the fact that we get to participate. We get to see, be a part of seeing your hope dispensed in the lives around us, to see your hope and your encouragement and your solutions brought to places of darkness. And Lord, even though, actually, Father, we're grateful that you, you major in using weak vessels to show yourself strong. And therefore, we all qualify to be used by you, to partner with you, to have a relationship with you, and to see lives impacted in a wonderful way. And we thank you for opening our hearts to hear and our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. And we do open our hearts and we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to teach us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to convict us, to help change our direction if need be. But we say yes to you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I don't know the statistics of these various things, but I know that sex trafficking is, is pretty bad in the world, even in America, in Oklahoma. Abortion is going crazy. Um, racial unrest is all over the news. You know, I keep hearing about drugs uh, being academic. I know here in Oklahoma, you know, I-35 and I-40 being a, a major place where a lot of drug dealers come and bring their, their stuff. And talking to Pat last week, she's telling me how in, in her state of Ohio, there's a, a drug, I don't know how new it is, and I don't even know the name of it, but it sounded pretty crazy, that it, it came from overseas and it's, it's pandemic, it's, it's, it's a major problem. But just drugs, sex trade, alcohol, abuse, social unrest, racial unrest, all these crazy things are happening in our society. And all you have to do is turn on the news and, and watch it. Five o'clock news, six o'clock news, CNN, Fox, Oklahoma City News, you see all this crazy stuff happening. And we just had an election, in case you didn't know that. And there's, you know, things going on this after this election that haven't, as far as I know, haven't happened in the past. There's all kinds of craziness going on. And so the question could arise, what do I do? As a man or woman who loves Jesus, who's totally sold out, that would be me and you, what do I do? And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to give you three things that I believe we should be doing. But namely, it's time to be about our Father's business and advance His kingdom. I mean intentionally, aggressively, and passionately, it's time to be about His business. You know, one of the declarations that I make over this body are concerning the three reasons why we come. And you may not even be aware of this. The three reasons why you come to church here. 
And I declare this all the time. We come to New Covenant to celebrate and worship our King. We come to bless on love and encourage one another. And we come to be equipped to go out there and advance His kingdom. Those are the three reasons that I believe we come here on Sunday morning. And those are my, I make that declaration constantly over you and over me. And to me, it helps me to focus and to remember why are we here? Because unfortunately, a lot of people go to church because it's the right thing to do. But I think we need to have a bigger vision than just going to church because it's the right thing to do. We need to have a reason, a purpose. And so our purpose here is to worship our king, to encourage and bless one another. Just like the people, you know, Chris and Melanie's brother, Matthew. And I also believe that the song that that Caleb sang also was for you guys. And so I just want to encourage you that even though your brother was the one who was named, I believe there's a connection, almost like a sneaky way of God getting your attention so he can love on you and encourage you. And to be equipped, to be equipped. So I want to encourage you from now on, moving forward, that you think, this is, why am I going to church today? Because a lot of times, how many of you know you don't feel like going? I know my wife doesn't a lot of times. <laughs> but it's like, why am I going? Because it, it can't be just about me. I want to go worship Jesus. I want to go and, and be a part of encouraging my brothers and sisters. And I want to be equipped to go out there to where hopelessness and fear is abounding. I mean, you hear all over the place, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. They're afraid of the election results. They're afraid of what's happening. They're afraid of the racial tension that's growing. They're afraid of of police officers. They're afraid of all this fear, 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 fear. And you know, the Bible says that fear has torment. People are being tormented. I mean, they are. We just listen to people and they're in anguish and torment and fear and all that kind of stuff. And we get to do something about it. How many of you want to do something about it? Do you realize that you've been in power to make a difference? And that doesn't mean just being a nice person, going to your workplace or going to wherever you're called, to school, to work, at home or wherever, and just going and just being a nice person. But going and bringing the kingdom of heaven. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. So it's time to be about our Father's business and advancing His kingdom. It's time to be proactive versus being passive or reactive coming into 2017. We want to be be a part of bringing God's kingdom solutions and not adding to the problem. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of Christians are adding to the problem. Adding to the problem. And you see stuff like that on Facebook. Or you see stuff like, you know, because we have a certain belief And so we're going to propagate that belief and we're going to share that. And I'm not talking about belief in Jesus. I'm talking about issues. And we get so concerned about being right that we're not even concerned about the person or the people that we're arguing with or, or whatever. And so instead of us being part of the solution, bringing solution, kingdom solution into the mix, we're adding to the chaos. And I don't want to be a part of the chaos. There's already enough chaos going on. So, okay, Donald Trump has been elected as our new president. 
So what do we do now? And you know, uh, Lisa was telling me this the other day, and then we saw it on, on the Channel 5 News or 4 News, whatever, that, um, that Hillary Clinton is, you know, they're in the process of trying to get recounts in certain states, um, certain key states. And so my question is, some of us may be happy because of the election results. And some of us may not be happy because of the election results. Well, what if something happened and then everything got, they recounted and found out, oh, we were wrong. And all of a sudden, Clinton becomes the president. Some of us would be encouraged and some of us would be discouraged. Because our hope is based on a person elected into office. And that's not where our hope and our faith and our confidence should be. Are you hearing me? If you're putting your hope and faith in the presidency or the government, you're going to be a miserable person. That's why many people are miserable and many people are afraid right now because their hope is in him or her. My hope is in Jesus. And I don't say that generically or out of cliche. Back in September, I started intentionally making this declaration. My hope, my faith is in Jesus and his kingdom. And my faith and my hope for this great nation is not in whoever is elected into the White House, but in Jesus and his kingdom. And I begin to make that declaration every day. And something began to happen inside of me that I wasn't really expecting to happen, but it makes sense now. I began to be filled with hopefulness regardless of who is elected in the White House. I began to get excited. And I am excited. Even before the election happened, before the results were turned in, I was very hopeful and excited because it's not based on the person. And I want to, there's a verse I read that kind of started this transformation. It's 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. And I gave you the wrong translation this morning. I just realized that. I told my wife the wrong one. Sorry, Lisa. But I'm reading a New Living Translation. If you have, if you have that, you can. Otherwise, I'm going to just go ahead and read it. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and to give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceable and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Now, I know many of you have read this passage many times, and I have, but here's why I got excited. Paul wrote this to the church saying we need to pray, we need to intercede for kings and those in authority. Would that include presidents? Yes. Would that include our political leaders? Yes, it does. But the interesting thing is, when this was written, King Nero was the king. His name was Nero. He was the king that was in power when Paul said, when Paul was challenging the church to pray this to, um, with these words. And Nero was a very wicked man. And the reason why this meant so much to me, because as the, as the political temperature was heating up, 
and all the chaos and all the darts and everything was going back and forth. And to be honest with you, I wasn't excited about either of the candidates. I was pretty discouraged by both candidates. And it's like, man, this is crazy. And I started feeling frustrated and discouraged because it's like, man, either one of them getting into the house, into the White House, I'm a little nervous. But then when the Lord showed me this verse, and when I saw Paul, and we would all agree that Paul was a man of faith. Would you agree with that? Man of faith, powerful man, loved Jesus, full of God's kingdom, full of excitement and passion for his kingdom. And he says this, to pray, intercede, ask God to help them. And he was talking about a king who was very intentional in persecuting Christians. Nero was a very bad man. I'll give you an example. He would have these parties, and he would take Christians, and he would impale them with a big pole. You can imagine what that's like. He would tar them and light them on fire and use them as light for his parties. Doesn't that sound like a nice guy? And Paul saying, pray for him. In one passage, it says to honor the king. And ironically, and I discovered this last night, that actually Paul died under Nero's hands. When Paul was killed, it was under Nero's reign. And the thing was, I feel like the Lord was showing me, is if Paul can have this kind of faith for that kind of a king, then I can have faith for our political process. Because it doesn't really have anything to do with the people. It's about him. He's bigger than the whole process. And so the first thing I challenge and charge you to do, and I did this last week, is to commit to praying for the president and our leaders. Commit to praying for the president and the leaders. That includes praying for our current president. He's not done yet. He still has till January 21st or 22nd or whenever that is. He still needs God's influence. He still needs God's wisdom to make right choices. So do not give up on him. Say, oh, we're done with him. Let's bring in the new. President Obama is still our president. So I charge and encourage you to pray. And I appreciate a, a sister telling me this last week that she said the Lord encouraged her, pray for Trump as if he was one of your family members. Now calm down, don't. And what I mean by that is being committed and being faithful to pray. I mean, because we pray for our family. We pray for those that we care about. Add him, add them to that mix and pray. Pray for him. One thing the sister also told me is that she heard him say that he was saying, please pray for me that I would have wisdom to lead this nation. So he's asking for us as Christians to pray for him that he would have wisdom to lead our nation. So he's asking for it, so let's do it. Amen? Number two, become intentional in your transformation process. Don't just hope it happens. Rather, partner with the Father and participate in its happening. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
As I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech, I beseech you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I see that as saying, totally sell out. We belong to him. Jesus, I give you my all. I am yours. I'm totally committed. And then he says in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. How many of you know crazy things are going on in this world? How many of you know that crazy thought patterns are going on in the world? And he's saying, do not be conformed. Do not be squeezed into that mold, one translation says. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Now, does that sound like a choice to you? He's saying, do not be conformed to the world. However, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Does that sound like a choice to you? Does it sound like something we just say, well, if whatever's going to happen is going to happen, or is he saying you have a choice? You can choose to be conformed to the pattern of the world, or you can choose to be transformed. It's a choice, isn't it? That means, because it's a choice, I see that as meaning is we have a part to play. We get to partner with the Lord in our transformation process. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Now, before we were saved, we had a certain mindset. It was death. It was corruption. It was all about the world. It was all about the flesh. We're born again. Our soul still has that same mindset. That's why he says to be transformed. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. And then it goes on to say, so that you will know. It says, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So to, walk, to understand, know, and walk in God's will, our mind has to be transformed. Has to be renewed. Excuse me, our mind has to be renewed, and then we become transformed. And that word transform, I was trying to learn how to pronounce it last night, but I already forgot. Because it's a Greek word. And it's meta, well, it's an interesting word. And that's where we get our word metamorphosis from. When we have a, a caterpillar, goes through metamorphosis and turns into a butterfly. Right? We're all familiar with that? So, and I appreciate what Wendy Backlund was saying when she was here. You know, God is not wanting us to be better caterpillars. See, too many of us are trying to become better caterpillars. We're trying to be better Christians. But he's saying, no, be transformed into a butterfly. Cat butter, excuse me, caterpillars can't fly, right? There are certain things that butterflies can do that caterpillars cannot do. Caterpillars can't fly. Butterflies can. God wants you to fly. In other words, he wants you to go to a different level. Supernatural. But you can only do that when you're transformed. And we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Which means we have a process, a part of that process to play. 
Practically, how do we do this? Spend time with Jesus on a regular basis. That's a given. We know that. But are we doing it? Spending time with Jesus on a regular basis. Remember he said in John 15, he said, if you abide in me, and we can practically take that to mean spending time with, hanging out with, being a part of him. If I abide in him and his word abides in me, has its way, has its home in me, he says, then you ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. I believe what he's saying is as we spend time with him and his word changes us, we're going to be transformed. We're going to be transformed. And then we can ask whatever he desire, we, we, what we desire, and he's going to do it. There's another verse in, in um, Mark chapter 11, verse 28-ish or something like that. I forgot to look it up. But remember when Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe, but believe, but believe, then it shall happen. And he says, whatever you ask, praying, believing, in other words, if you believe it, you will have it. A lot of times we wonder, why is it that I pray for things, I pray for the sick, and I pray for things, and I don't see things happen? But yet Jesus says, if you believe, these things will happen. I believe we agree with the word. We don't necessarily believe it. I believe we agree with the word, but we don't necessarily believe it. Because see, our word for belief or our thought for belief is agreeing with it. Do you believe in this and this? this? Yeah, I, I believe that, which means I mentally assent. I agree to that. That's not what the word's talking about. It's not talking about agreeing with, but believe it, because it says from your heart. And so I believe what we need to do so we can move from agreeing with to believing is our mind has to be changed, renewed, and then we're transformed. How is our mind renewed? Spending time with Jesus. Reading his word. Many of us are being conformed to the patterns of this world is because we are feeding on, you know, the Bible says as a man thinks, so is he. What are you thinking about? What information are you putting in here because whatever information you're putting in here constantly, that's what you're being conformed to. So if you're getting all your information from Facebook, and you know, I notice I keep saying Facebook is because that is a very popular um, forum, very popular, which is understandable, and it can be very good or it can be very detrimental. And if we don't know how to use it right, then I believe it can be very detrimental because many of us are getting our information from Facebook or from news sources or, I don't know if I want to call them news sources anymore, whether it's Fox or CNN or those, 
but we're feeding on that. We're not balancing with the truth. We're not feeding on the word. We're not letting the word conform. We're not letting the word renew our minds. See, our perspective should be the word of God, what Jesus says, what Jesus says, what Jesus says. Then when we hear a source of information outside, we immediately check it with the word. Does it agree with the word? Does it disagree with the word? If it disagrees with the word, I disagree with it. But that's not what we're doing. We're hearing and listening to and feeding on, feeding on, feeding on. Then we agree with it. We agree with it. We agree with it. And then we check the word with this source. And then the word is going to disagree. And then what happens is we begin to compromise. Well, did God really mean that? Did he really, does it, is that how you really translate that? Are you sure? And we're checking the word of God with the sources that we're getting from out there. You see how that's all messed up? We're being conformed to the world and not being transformed by the renewing of our mind by the Word of God. That's got to shift. And I believe that's one of the main reasons why we as the church, the body of Christ, are lacking in the solutions into our societal problems. When we bring the kingdom the perspective of God's word, and I'm not talking about just getting the word and just going quoting scripture at people. I'm talking about us Christians moving into society with the power of the Holy Spirit, with him, his love, his power, his word, his influence. When we move into the arena with that influence, we're going to bring about change. And that's what we get to do. We need to spend time with Jesus, talking to him, dialogue and prayer. We need to be reading his word. And so my question to you is, how often do you read his word? I'm not asking you to answer that. I just want you to think about that. If you're not reading, if you're not feeding on his word on a regular basis, then you're going to have a hard time being and bringing answers the chaos. If you're not spending time with Jesus, then people aren't really going to care about what you have to say. Because then you'll just be bringing them your opinion, which isn't really, we've got too many opinions flying around and it's not bringing solution. Matthew 24, 9 through 14. It says, now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's talking about the end-time climate. End-time climate. So here's some, there's a couple of characteristics that I want to emphasize. It says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Yeah, will be offended. In some translations, it says fall away. Fall away from Jesus. Fall away from following him. Many people will be offended or fall away. So they fall away because they're offended. Many will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Two things that stick out here to me. One is offended, and then many will be offended. How many of you guys realize people, great offense is coming in the earth, is in the earth, all over the place. People are offended. People are mis, mistreating and, and abusing one another. There's all kinds of stuff going on, and people are offended. People are offended. And it's not that what happened to them wasn't wrong. I mean, there's some bad stuff going on towards people. But people are, are, are being offended, and it says, fall away. Many fall away. Many Christians are holding on to offense. You realize offenses will come? Why do we get surprised when offenses come our way? Why are we shocked and like, I can't believe that happened? Now, as far as us Christians offending each other, that, that shouldn't happen. However, when it does happen, we've been given the grace to be able to deal with the offenses. We've been given the power. You know, if you think about your, Christ, your whole Christian life, I was thinking about this yesterday. Of all the sermons that you've heard about, all the messages that you've heard, would you agree that you've probably heard, heard sermons on forgiveness, that one topic more than maybe any other? Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgive, forgive, forgiveness. Like, okay, I get it already. I understand. I'm tired of hearing about forgiveness. And I was thinking about that. Why would God have that message so prevalent? throughout his kingdom. Why would that message be preached and taught? I mean, there's so many books written on it. We even have a book out there on forgiveness. Maybe because it's one of the greatest traps of the enemy. Maybe it's one of his greatest weapons. And see, it's not like the enemy's going to come to you and get you to deny Jesus. I mean, that'd be foolish. He knows that. But if he can get you offended, because see what happens, what I've seen happen, there's many people outside the church, especially here in Oklahoma, who don't go to church, but who used to. And if you talk to them and inquire as to why they don't go to church anymore, probably 80, 90% of them quit going to church because they were offended. They use the term hypocrites. In other words, they were hurt. They're offended. And then they say, well, I don't, you don't have to be a Christian and go to church. And you don't have to be a Christian and go to church. But to say that you don't need, to, need the body to grow and thrive and be healthy and be strong and vibrant, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible indicates that we need one another. But the main thing I'm seeing is people are offended we get our feelings hurt, we get offended, and then we quit. We separate ourselves from one another, and then eventually end up turning away from God. I mean, that's how it plays out. Because a lot of these people who are offended that I've talked to, they're not passionate about Jesus. I don't feel the kingdom oozing out of them when I'm around them. I feel a lot of hurt, self-pity, then it turns into anger resentment, bitterness. 
And so one of the things, in the last days, many will be offended. And then it says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I heard one preacher say, because that word love is agape, which is God's kind of love. And he says the only place God's kind of love can be is in the church. So he's saying, this is talking about Christians. That's his opinion. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. But either way, the love of many grows cold. And so in our world today, lawlessness is abounding. People's love is growing cold. People are offended. Many of us are offended. And so we want to try to go into the world and, and bring solution, but yet we're, bringing our, we're taking our offenses into that solution, into that situation, and we're adding to the chaos instead of bringing the kingdom. Does that make any sense? Am I making any sense? And the cool thing is, is we do not have to stay here. We do not have to stay in that place. You realize the love, the Holy Spirit, God's love compels us. We're con it controls us. It should consume us because the Father is love and he's inside of us, so therefore we have love inside of us, therefore we should be love. We should be growing in love. Not falling into the category of the love of many growing cold. The only way our love is not going to grow cold and the only way we're not going to fall into offenses is hanging out and staying close to Jesus. Because when I get hit with an offense and I go to him and he helps me to overcome that offense to where I can still walk in love towards that person. Now, our relationship dynamic may change, but I don't have to carry unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment, but I can have true love towards that person or those people. We've all had opportunities to be offended. As a black man, I've had plenty of opportunities to be offended. As a black man married to a white woman, I've had plenty of opportunities to be offended in the church. You'd be surprised at how many people in a church don't think they have prejudice in them and the things they say and the way they behave. Like, really? We all have opportunities to be offended. And we can embrace the offense. We can wear it. We can consume it. And we can live it. Or we can choose to walk in freedom. I like the latter option, personally. I love freedom that Jesus brings. So, therefore... We have to hang out with Jesus on a regular basis. His word has to be consumed. And we have to be aggressive and intentional in consuming his word. And the other thing, and, and you've heard me talk about this quite a bit, how we can intentionally be part of the transformation process with the Father is making declarations. Making declarations. It's like, well, why is that such a big deal? Because the word... God's word makes it a big deal. You know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. If I'm quoting God's word, then guess what? I'm hearing it. And then faith, my faith is increasing. Now, when I'm making declarations, I'm not just quoting scripture. 
I'm quoting Scripture, and I'm quoting truths implied by the Scripture. Also, the Bible says that there's the power of life and death in the tongue, which means that my tongue is either speaking life or it's speaking death. And I am eating the fruit of what I'm speaking. If I'm speaking death, 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 over myself, over people, then that's what I'm, I'm ingesting. That's what I'm hearing. If I'm speaking life, if I'm speaking encouragement, you know, the Bible even says, let the words that come out of your mouth be such that it gives grace and encourages those who hear you. That would include yourself, right? It's not like we're allowed to speak nice to each other and mean to myself, calling myself names. I'm stupid. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to get that job. I'm never going to understand this. I'm never going to, you stupid idiot, can't believe you did that again. You made that same mistake yesterday and you made it again today. You're never going to quit doing this. Some of us talk to ourselves that way and we think it's okay. You know, the Lord says, when you've done this to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So check this out. When you're talking bad about yourself, Jesus takes personal, takes that personally. Let's try that one out for size. When we're speaking bad about ourselves, Jesus doesn't like that. Because he is crazy about you. Men, if you heard some guy talking bad about your wife, would you be okay with that? Guys, would you be okay with some guy talking bad about your wife? Are we alive today? I was expecting a greater reaction. Jesus doesn't get excited or happy when you talk bad about yourself. So we make these declarations, and also the Bible says that the tongue is just like the rudder on a ship. That rudder turns, and whichever way it turns, the whole ship goes in the direction of the rudder. It's just like the bit in a horse's mouth. Whichever way you turn or move the reins, that big animal is going to go in the right, that direction. In the same way, your tongue, that small member in your mouth, leads and directs your life, your path. So which way, whichever way you're speaking, that's where you're going. Let me give you, example, give you some examples of the declarations that I make. Give me an idea. Here's some of the declarations that I make every day. One is, I hear my father's voice clearly today, and I'm quick to hear and glad to obey what he tells me. Because of what Jesus said, and since I have the same Holy Spirit in me, I do, I do the same miracles that Jesus did. Because of my intimate relationship with the father, I walk in every good work that he intends for me to walk in today. People encounter the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit when they encounter me. I am my wife and my children's greatest encourager and cheerleader. We come here each week to worship our king, to encourage and bless one another, and to be equipped to go and advance the kingdom and impact our world. We are all about walking in the fullness of our God-given purpose, and we'll settle for nothing less. We are full of the Father's love, grace, power, and hope, and we are dispensing it in our community. These are our church declarations, some including you. Every marriage in our church family is strong, blessed, and a wonderful testimony of God's goodness and grace. Every marriage, every marriage, every marriage, every marriage. 
We are full of hope and encouragement because our eyes, our hope, and our faith rest upon our king and his kingdom. We are not putting our hope and faith for our great country in any person elected in the White House, but our hope and faith for our country is in King Jesus. I challenge and I encourage you. I'm not going to say beg, but I would if I could, to participate in making declarations on a regular basis. You know, it's not just a cute little thing, but it is a powerful kingdom activity that will change your life. It is a practical tool where you can actively be participant in your transformation. My life is changing, and I'm seeing it exponentially change as I started becoming more aggressive, more intentional. And for me, it didn't just start when the backlands came, although I was, I was inspired by them by reading this book a couple of years ago. But gasoline was put on it when he introduced that little clicker to me. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? I've, I've kind of gone crazy with that. But I am seeing and experiencing change in my soul. I'm full of hope. I am more full of hope than I've ever been before. I look forward to being around people so that I can encourage them. I mean, people out in, I mean, I love being with you guys. You guys are easy. I'm talking about people out there that don't necessarily agree with me. So number two, we need to be intentional in participating in our transformation process. And number three, find a place where Holy Spirit wants you to take him. Find a place where Holy Spirit wants you to take him and go and make an impact. I'm talking about find a place of darkness out there that God has been tugging on your heart and go be involved, whether it's dealing with abortion, whether it's dealing with the sex trade, whether it's dealing with social injustice, whatever it is. See, I'm not under the belief that we're all supposed to be about the same exact social ills. I don't believe that's how God works. He puts certain passions and things in, inside of you, and he wants you to go out there and make a difference. So find a place where Holy Spirit wants you, you to take him and go make a difference. Find a place of injustice, a place of need. It could be serving the poor, confronting social injustices. However, wherever you go, do it in such a way as to bring the kingdom with you. That's how. See, I don't take issue with people dealing with injustice. I take issue with how we Christians do it. If I'm doing it the same way the world is doing it, if I'm doing it with fear, if I'm doing it out of offense, if I'm doing it in a reactionary way, then I'm not bringing solution. I'm adding to the chaos. But when I can go into that arena and they experience and they, they, they sense peace in you, they, they see hope in you, encouragement, then they're going to say, man, what's going on with you? I want to hear what you have to say. But if I go into that arena and I have chaos going on inside of me because I am not allowing Jesus to transform me, and so I go into it with fear, I go into it with anxiety, 
what good am I going to do? But we have an opportunity. Last thing I want to share is um, one of the arenas that the Lord has called me into is law enforcement. No, I'm not going to be a police officer. Although Captain Gibbs keeps asking me if I want to take that reserve officer training. And I said, no, you be the cop, I'll be the pastor. How's that? But it's interesting because the Lord started putting on my heart the idea to be involved, to, to connect with them. And I shared that with you. But he put that on my heart before all the negative stuff was highlighted like it is now. Now, it's not that all of a sudden things, bad stuff started happening. I mean, it's been going on for a while, but it's been highlighted over this last summer. And the fact that the Lord has called me, has called me into that very arena. And in case some of you don't know, I am, I am a chaplain for the Stillwater Police Department. And so I can go in there, and I have, I have FBI-level clearance, so I can go into that building 24-7 anytime. I have a key to go in. I also serve the, I'm available to serve the Sheriff Department as well as the OSU PD. But my main emphasis that the Lord has opened the door has been Stillwater PD right now. So I've been spending time getting to know them, building relationship, building trust, because that is a whole different world, right, Tony? It's a whole different, Tony's an officer for the Sheriff Department. That's a whole different world that we, as civilians, know not of. But they are people that God loves, and many of them love God. And there's a lot of turmoil in our, in our nation, not necessarily so much here, but in our nation between the community and law enforcement. And I find it ironic that the Lord would call me into that arena to build relationships. And as I've been spending time getting to know them and encourage them, I, I, I can, anytime I want to, I can, I can call the captain and say, hey, can you set up a, a ride along with me today? I have a couple hours. And so I'll get in the police car and just hang out with them. I used to call it doing drive-bys, but I quit calling it that. <laughs> it's not what it's called. It's called ride along and hanging out with them. And then I remember as I was getting comfortable and getting to know them, they were getting comfortable with me. And then the Lord reminded me, he said, son, I didn't call you into the arena to be a nice guy just to be a nice guy. He said, I've called you to bring my kingdom. They don't need just another nice guy. They need his kingdom. And so he reminded me, he said, so basically I look for ways to bring his supernatural presence there. And that's what he wants every single one of us to do. Wherever we are, Look for ways to bring, invite him in. It's not just about being nice, although you need to be nice. I'm not telling you to be mean. One of the ladies there, one of the lady officers that I met, she was telling me that for many years, because she's been working there for over 30 years, and um, her sleep pattern is all messed up. It's all jacked up. So she's, she battles insomnia and has been doing that for years and years and years and years. And she told me that, thought, ding, supernatural. 
I think God wants to do something about that. And I said, can I pray for you about your insomnia? She goes, sure, please do. I don't know if she thought that I was going to pray for her right there in front of her coworkers. I said, come here, let's pray. Oh, okay. Grabbed her hands, prayed, released the kingdom. That weekend I texted her, I said, hey, how was your sleep? She goes, no change, but I'm hopeful. I said, okay. This last week I stopped by there before Thanksgiving. And I was talking to her supervisor, one of the guys, and she said, guess what? I said, what? She goes, I've been sleeping wonderfully. And she reached her hand up to give me a high five. And then she said, you know, it started about two weeks ago, but she said, I thought it was just a fluke. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't say anything. But it's been happening. And she was just beaming. And I'm thinking, you know, that's cool that someone who's been experiencing something for a long time and it changes dramatically because Holy Spirit was invited to do something. See, that's what he wants us to do. Not bring in, you know, I could have told her, well, you know, you might try this tea because I, I heard that helps you sleep better. And nothing wrong with tea. But we need to look to a higher, God wants you and I to be supernatural. Because he's supernatural, right? Is he or is he not? Do you think that he has solutions for the sex trafficking? Do you think that he has solutions for the drug addiction and the, the racial tension? Do you believe that he has solutions? Do you believe it or not? Who's his answer? Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the answer for what the world's dealing with. God wants you to grab his hand. He wants to say, let's go. Let's go do this. But we have to allow him to change us. And I'm not saying we have to wait until we're all fixed and all better and all perfect before we go out there. But we have to be intentional in letting him deal with our junk, our mess, so that we can go and say, you know what, I had that same problem. Really? How did you get over it? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? I was supposed to have some more clickers, tally counters today, but Amazon Prime let me down. Said I was supposed to get them yesterday. And then I got another text today saying, oh, you'll get them today. It's like, mm-hmm. But I want to challenge you in a practical way. One of my declarations, I'm going to confess to you, is this church is full of people that make daily declarations. That's one of my declarations. So therefore... We're going to, you know, the month has, when I first started this monthly challenge, or, you know, going for a month, well, that ended, I think today's the 30th day, or anyway, it's expired. So I want to challenge you to re-up, and let's go from now until the end of 2016. It's a little over 30 days, it's probably 35, 40 days. And I want to encourage you to be intentional and say, yes, I'm going to take this tool and obviously, you don't have to have a little tally counter to do it, but it kind of makes it fun. 
But if you would do that and say, yes, I want to participate in the Declaration Challenge, I want you to send me another text and say, I'm in, I'm doing this. That way I'll send you little text encouragements. I'm starting to make these little silly little videos and just encouraging you and that kind of thing. Because I believe we're called to make to be a part of the kingdom transformation out there, but we have to see transformation happen in here. Amen? So if you'll be a part of that, text me afterwards after we pray. Don't text me now. I don't want you to interrupt me. But text me after we pray. Say, yes, I'm in. I'll have some tally counters soon. You can purchase another one of those. And also, Wednesday morning. You know, our first nine weeks has lapsed. It's expired. We're starting a new one. Starting Wednesday, from 7 to 7.45, our declaration meeting. I believe things are changing. I know things are changing as a result of people making declarations together on a weekly basis. So come and join us on Wednesday morning, 7 a.m., right here. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your kingdom that has and is setting us free. Thank you for your salvation that you made available. I'm so excited that you are filling us with hope encouragement and power to go and dispense that in our community, in our world. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this great nation. And we thank you that we get to be a part of it. Thank you for releasing your grace upon us now. And those of us that have been struggling with spending time with you, I thank you for grace, encouragement, passion to pursue you, and I thank you for a renewed hunger for your word and a hunger to make declarations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you guys have a wonderful week. I believe next week we're having a, a potluck. That wasn't announced. I think that's next week. Well, we'll make sure that's, that's true. We'll send you some texts. But anyway, so we'll, we'll see you guys next week.